Welcome to this week's Armchair Trader podcast. We're going to be talking a little bit more about the technical side of things this week. And uh, to discuss that with us, we have Trevor Neal, who's a director at RRG Research. Um, So welcome to the podcast, Trevor. Uh, Thank you very much for having me. So I think really to start off with, we should sort of set the scene. Uh, We're we're here really to talk about something called... um, relative rotational graphs and um, it might be best if you just explain to listeners first what these are and and who RRG research is. Relative rotation graphs and our relative rotation graphs.com was formed about 10 years ago uh, but the original work for this was done uh, by a colleague of mine uh, co-director at RRG Research Limited called Julius de Kempelar. He's definitely the brainy one of the two of us. Uh, we've known each other for uh, more than 30 years, worked, uh, never actually worked together except in this project here. He was on the sell side at an investment bank. I've been in fund management. We're both friends through technical analysis. And he had been trying to solve a problem for when he talked to customers, and his customers were uh, funds, hedge funds, um, uh, buy side people, and working on the sell side. So he wanted to sort of draw their attention to a, a simple way of seeing a picture that covers uh, lots of information, lots of graphs in one graph, and so very clearly shows relationships between securities and clearly. Uh, shows you opportunities. So we developed this into a mathematical uh, visualization, which is a quadrant. I'll talk about that in a second. And then this went on to Bloomberg in the year 2000 um, as a function on Bloomberg, RRG Go, if you have access to that. Then later on to onto Icon and very popular with uh, clients of that professional platform, people who have to choose uh, securities from a group from a universe in order to, for example, achieve our performance of an index. And so it's a very adaptable tool, but it allows you to see lots of securities normalized relating to each other and the opportunities of the securities uh, in your universe. So it's basically a way of uh, just cutting through a lot of the noise in the market. If you're um, an investor or a trader and you're looking at a, uh, an index or a basket of stocks and you really want to find the ones that are likely to be the real sort of outperformers going forwards? Yes, that's right. Uh, I think it's more than the noise. It's it's, uh, it's trying to see them all together. So you have a, a universe, that, let us say it's the, uh, the NASDAQ or something like that, and you want to see all the 100 stocks compared to each other and how which one is better than that one and relating to every single one. And if you had, if you wanted to do that the long way or the normal way, to uh, take a hundred stocks and and compare each one with each one is many thousands of comparisons, and uh, to, and then to say well, this is better than that one is is very very difficult to do. But here you have one picture of a a, a scattergram, a dynamic scattergram, which makes it obvious instantly uh, how they relate to other, each other and and how they're moving so this is the attraction to it really is it cuts uh, a work process of uh, finding the selection by the criteria of relative strength and momentum of relative strength uh, into a very uh, quick uh, piece of analysis you could use this with any of the main uh, sort of market stock indices or potentially you could put together a whole if let's say you're looking at a sector you could pick 
is a big sector, you know, 50 stocks within a particular sector that you've actually, you've built that list yourself. And then you can apply this criteria to analyze the stocks that way. Absolutely right. That's how people use it. So on your uh, Bloomberg, for example, you can put as your benchmark, whatever you like. The benchmark could be a stock index. It could be the MSCI world and you might have assets um, uh, comparing all the assets, cash, gold, uh, US stocks, emerging market stocks, government bonds and so forth, comparing each to each versus the benchmark being the MSCI world. You could use the S&P 500 you could use, uh, versus the GICs level one sectors. You could see IT and uh, industrials and so forth, how they're relating to each other and, and how they're moving in relation to each other. That's what's uh, unique about the chart is it is dynamic. Or you could say, well, I like um, uh, the, uh, like I never used to like energy. I hated energy, but now energy has come up a lot and uh, uh, technology has gone down. Let's look at energy. And then I put energy in the middle of it as a benchmark and then look at the industries of energy and then go down, drill down from the industry. Let's let's say it's um, uh, oil uh, development is the leader. Then you might uh, drill down what are the names of the stocks in that group and then um, and then compare those and find literally from the top, um, if, if you like, from the best uh, asset class in the world. Let's say the answer is um, U.S. stocks, the best sector in the U.S. Uh, let's let's say it's energy, the best industry. Let's say so and so, the best stock. Let's say so you've drilled down from asset all the way through. Is it really what you said? But it can be used for other things too. Anything where you compare a group of things to something which makes sense. So uh, another one could be uh, the US dollar and cryptocurrencies. So uh, the cryptocurrencies, the major cryptocurrencies, um, which is the best and which is, uh, are you better in the dollar or in which uh, particular cryptocurrency? Or it could be commodities, futures versus the um, uh, the Russell uh, Commodities Index, for example. And um, you could look at that. Anything which makes sense uh, to put together as a group. And then you've got a choice of how you go into that group and what, what level of risk you want to take. Because what it will show you very clearly is what is the strongest. Well, that's easy for anybody to see what, what is the strongest. But it's what we've introduced, and this is the technical analysis aspect of it, is also the momentum of the relative strength. So that's interesting. You, you, it's not just restricted to to equities. You could use it as you as you said. You could use it for for cryptocurrencies as well. It's not just relying on on share market data. Absolutely right. It's it's um, anything where you've got uh, something which is a benchmark, and you've got choices to make regarding how you try and outperform, for example, that benchmark. And this has obviously been around for quite some time and it's being used by uh, fund managers and other people in the market. I know you probably can't name names, but do you have any examples of, of sort of the most widely used purposes? We know from um, from Bloomberg that it's a very popular function. They don't tell us who, who uses it. Um, and uh, But then we are engaged as consultants to a number of groups. But you can see if you go onto the um, State Street website, they use relative rotation graph to show their own ETFs uh, versus the S&P. So, uh, so basically, it's allowing you to choose what you think is the best. And it's so easy to, once you see it, uh, to visualize uh, what is the best in your, according to your own criteria uh, using the relative rotation graphs. And so they show their own funds, how they relate to each other to help people make decisions amongst their own 
universe. But we work mostly um, directly with hedge funds who are have got their own um, benchmarks and and uh, constituents and criteria and um, constraints in in their mandates. And so we design the universe around that and the criteria around it. And it may involve other overlays like the market cap of the securities and 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 there may be other criteria to do with um, uh, fundamental uh, research. But we can filter that and then make that uh, the universe and then do the final level of analysis um, using RRG. And um, obviously, so listeners will be thinking, well, this is fantastic, but but how can I how can I get access um, to some of the benefits of this sort of intelligence? Um, I know you've been um, doing some work with uh, CMC Markets, which is a name a lot of a lot of um, investors in places like the UK and uh, Australia will be familiar with. Um, and you've been uh, supporting them with the launch of uh, some index products they've got going there. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, you know, Julius and I work a lot with with funds and fund managers and uh, big traders, family offices, helping them design these these effectively internal products. But we're very thrilled, really, really thrilled uh, to have the opportunity of offering uh, this method an institutional method uh, to the investing uh, public through cmc's uh, contracts for different cfds so we designed a criteria which we think is a, is a, is a good one for this particular marketplace and and then we have applied the same criteria quantitative criteria the, the same conditions for the rrg to give a signal in a number of different uh, instruments and we started off with the launch in October of the UK 350, and uh, uh, that went well and was popular and and, and did its job, uh, which was uh, to select uh, stocks which were um, better than the index itself and hold those stocks. And then uh, uh, just now, um, just uh, at the moment, we're releasing a whole new, or they have just released a whole new set, the S&P 500, the NASDAQ 100, Australia 200, U.S. Growth 1000, so this is growth stocks, uh, the Hong, Hong Kong Large Cap, and the Germany 110. The reason we don't use, for example, the DAX is because the universe itself is too limited, we, so we have to broaden it out so we can get some outperformance by choosing the best ones uh, in it. But if so, 30 would be too small numbers, likewise with the Dow. So we want these broader indices so we can choose. The criteria that we use is, is the following. There are three sweeps in, in the criteria. Now, the first thing is, uh, is that uh, every uh, security that's included is, is going up. Okay, so we use technical analysis to define that. The second sweep is um, securities which are heading northeast in the quadrant of uh, the RRG. So now what does this mean? The x-axis of the RRG is, is the relative performance. Things to the right are outperforming the index. Let's take the example of the S&P for a moment. So we've got uh, the S&P um, as the index, then we'll have a scattergram of the securities in the S&P and the ones that are furthest to the right as the strongest stocks and the ones that are furthest to the left are the weakest stocks relative to the RRG. Uh, to the index. But then we have a um, horizontal axis and everything that's above 100 in that is with relative uh, positive momentum 
um, in in the relative performance. So what we're saying is that anything which is in the top right hand quadrant has got outperformance and positive momentum of outperformance. Anything in the bottom right hand quadrant is um, outperforming but losing positive momentum in the in the relative performance. Bottom left is the horrible place you don't want to be. These are uh, securities which are underperforming with no positive momentum. And for an aggressive trader, the um, top left-hand quadrant would be interesting. So these are securities which are currently underperforming, but have got positive momentum in their relative performance. So these are things which are coming up the list of, of, of uh, performance, but from a low reading. So these are the things which are going to give you um, our performance, in fact. So uh, we plot a tail of where the security is in the scattergram and where it was, say, last week, the week before, the week before, the week before, and you get a rotation pattern because securities rotate around this um, this quadrant pattern. Actually, the rotation is is clockwise. We go, the securities will generally go around this in a clockwise direction. So, but the best direction for, the t for it to be going in is northeasterly, so between 0 and 90 degrees. That means it's, if it's moving easterly, it's increasing in outperformance and northerly with positive momentum. So the first scan was to look for stocks that are going up. The second scan is to look for stocks which are heading northeast on RRG. So they, um, uh, their uh, relative performance is increasing and the momentum of re relative performance is increasing. It's likely to go further is the inference of that. And we do see the persistence of that. And then when we've got that list, um, and I can tell you, in, in uh, currently in the uh, the S and P, there are two hundred and twenty seven uh, securities out of five hundred which meet that criteria. Then we take the ten, just the ten that are most to the right. So most to the right, the ones which have got the highest outperformance, and that is our portfolio, and uh, that is is rebalanced every quarter. And that exactly what I said there is the same for the Nasdaq, is for is the same for Australia, is the same for for Ger Germany. We're looking for securities which are going up, which have got uh, uh, positive uh, relative performance and positive momentum of relative performance, and they're the ten best of that group. So you have a portfolio representing uh, an index like the S and P or the Nasdaq, but selecting just ten stocks with all those three uh, characteristics. And it relies on the fact that this tends to be persistent. Good stocks um, tend to be the good stocks for a long period of time. You know, Apple was a great stock for a long time. Maybe not so much now. Tesla was a great stock for a long time. Not so much uh, now. We hated energy, but now we like it again. But that hating of energy as a sector was a long uh, multi-month, multi-year. Uh, so this, this, these things tend to persist. And so we pick up on these things, we build the portfolio to a maximum of 10, and that's what we, uh, the, 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 the 10 that meet this criteria, these three criteria, best of all. When you, you say you rebalance every three months, how many of those 10 would you, would you tend to drop? Is it quite fundamental or, or are you only really changing a couple? Because it because it's ten, we we it does tend to change. Um, but it is amazing how um, in the top ten, you know, out of five hundred, according to this criteria, that the, the, the same one would ever 
uh, stay there. But of course, because of the persistency, it does happen. And, um, and so quarter by quarter, it's still in it. But because it's only 10, the best is probably going to be better. It's not the ones that have dropped out are not really terrible, but they're not in the top 10. Gotcha. And just going a little bit back to, you mentioned that this has been available for some time. This is um, sort of an original um, creation of RRG, and, and you guys are the ones who, who developed the sort of fundamentals underlying this. What, can you give us a little bit of background on, on how you how you guys stumbled across this and what was it that that made you realize that you could you could analyze stocks in this way and then and provide data that that you know fund managers could actually act on um, I must give most of the credit to, to this um, uh, to Julius I mean he spent his last 30 years uh, doing only this <laughs> so I've been doing other things with uh, running a fund uh, for example, as well. What it started off with was to solve a problem. Julius was on the sales side um, of, the, of the business. I was on the buy side of the business. I was a, a fund manager. But both of us were technical analysts, and we talked about this, solving this problem. It's so complicated to look at so many securities and in some way uh, normally uh, normalize them in such a way that you can literally compare anyone to anyone in one picture. This is the wonderful thing about this. It's one immediate obvious picture with with uh, dots on it that have got tails on and you see how the, the thing is, the individual participants are relating to the um, uh, the the index that you've chosen and and with the software you can put whatever is relevant to you even your own benchmark you've designed yourself and you um, that you're required to work to as the as the benchmark and and choose your uh, uh, securities whatever is appropriate to you so um, we both understand uh, uh, technical analysis we both understand relative uh, strength so relative strength is very simply a stock divided by the index, so we can do that and turn the answer into percentage. The thing with the highest percentage is the strongest stock, the one with the lowest percentage is the weakest stock. So there you've got a static picture of best to worst, but that list is dynamic. And um, it is things coming up through the list which um, are the most interesting things and things which are going faster up through the list, increasing in momentum. Also as technical analysts, we understood that momentum, the, the rate of change of speed, is, a, is an early indicator of changes in direction. So uh, let me explain that. If you, if you think of, uh, if you throw a tennis ball into the air, for example, um, uh, and you had a high-speed camera and you observed the, tele the tennis ball as it approached the top, you could see it was going up, but slowing up, gradually slowing up as it approached the one nanosecond top, and then it would accelerate, it will accelerate out of the top and then accelerate in the fall. Now, um, it was still going up, but it was slowing up. So the slowing up precedes, always precedes the, the turn. And then the speeding up um, comes after the turn. So when you plot uh, the uh, relative performance of something versus a, an index and you see it's going up, but then you plot also the momentum of it, you expect the momentum to turn down just before the relative performance turns down. So you get this early warning. And that's what turns the securities from the top right-hand quadrant into the bottom right-hand quadrant because it's got outperformance, but it's losing momentum. So what side are you of the tennis ball going up? The tennis ball is going up and getting faster. You're in the top uh, right-hand quadrant. Starting to slow up, you are um, in the bottom right-hand corner 
going down and accelerating bottom left hand quadrant that's very interesting so so could you for example take let's say you already own a stock could you stick that into a, a universe i mean i presume you would need to be able to compare it with with other shares but you would be if you stuck it into a universe of peers say defined by sector or or market cap or something like that you'd be able to see you know is this share starting to lose momentum now i mean for example there are lots and lots of people in tesla at the moment some people may be thinking wow maybe i should be starting to get out of tesla there's a lot of uh, negative price activity there but is it really losing momentum that's a, that's an interesting question uh, let's leave Tesla to a side for a moment. Don't forget, it is 30% down <laughs> from the high. So I think uh, we could say it's not going up anymore, <laughs> depending on your point of view, of course. But um, the the uh, the, uh, the answer is yes about that, because a lot of fund managers say the criteria for picking securities is fundamental. Uh, they're doing their research, they're doing their looking at their spreadsheets, they're looking at the finances, and they and they choose the portfolio uh, accordingly. But one of the things they will do if they're wise, and, and many of them do do, is let's say they've made a decision about a security on the basis of its fundamentals, but then how, how does it fit in the universe of other uh, closely related securities or other securities that meet their criteria that they haven't had the time to do all the work on. And they might say, well, here's two securities which are almost the same as each other, say two US car companies, for example, very closely related to each other. I've done all my work on um, Ford, but then I see the General Motors actually is, uh, has got um, uh, high, better outperformance and higher momentum. That might change their mind about their decision to want to get into US automobiles. And so they do use that as a tool to help them make their decision, which ultimately is made on a, on a fundamental basis. But that's indeed a great use uh, for it. But you know, in the case of uh, Tesla, for example, in the S&P 500, Tesla was, uh, was there on our list on there until um, it quite rapidly lost upside momentum before the, uh, the market itself flattened out and, um, and dropped out of the list. It's now on the um, bottom left. You mentioned before the DAX was almost too small a um, constituent for, for doing analysis like this. What, what would you say is the minimum sort of number of stocks to provide an effective graph? I would, I would say 100. Right. Okay. I mean, we've made that a decision, uh, by the way. That is our decision, a hundred. And are there any sort of market scenarios or any sort of macro situations where where you find the the, the analysis doesn't work as well, or all particular sectors or something like that? Yes, it's it's not that um, it it will work well in in anything that it's designed for. So you know you know looking at things which are related to each other you know, it works when you look at it, you will see what you see. But there are things which don't make any sense uh, to do. Now, uh, uh, something like, and people uh, I've seen have done this, uh, they they look at a, a universe of ETFs, say, versus the MSCI world. But some of the ETFs are, are denominated in dollars and some are in euros and some are in pounds. So now you've introduced currency risk into it and you've not accounted for that. So some of the strengths of the ETF is actually the strengths of the of the currency versus the dollar. And so that simply doesn't make sense. You have to compare uh, apples and apples, not apples versus oranges. 
Markets with different opens and closes as well, um, it doesn't make sense. You really want them to be in the same time zone because you're taking reading in one time zone and the reading in another, that doesn't make sense. But principally things that don't relate to each other, there's no reason for them uh, to, to relate to the benchmark that you've chosen. That has to be, so if you, if you took, for example, uh, uh, autom US automobile stocks versus the DAX, for example, I mean, the DAX, and maybe the DAX is a bad example because it's got a lot of automobile in it. But if you took it, uh, say, versus um, some minor uh, stock index because you happen to live there. Um, but, but the two things are not connected any, in any way at all. And they're probably different currencies as well. So it's basically common sense what doesn't work. But anything which is comparable and comparable must mean it'll be in the same currency and it's related. And the benchmark is a benchmark of that of some sort. Um, uh, then, uh, then, it, then it will make sense. So that's the limitation. It's not that there's any thing it works better in. I mean, it'll always show you the relationship. It's only a picture. It's like saying he's charting better for commodities or or equities. Well, it's, it's better for both. It's just showing you the picture of what is going on. Right. So, so even if you were building, say, a thematic, like a thematic index, you would have to be aware of that. You can't just stick oil companies and oil futures in the same scenario analysis. You've got to really really ensure that everything is is effectively playing on the same playing field that's actually a very interesting question because it's a problem uh, for us right now because in the next stage we're hoping that we uh, we're going to add more um if as long as these uh, this group that we've got now um is as successful as the FTSE 350 was then uh, they've asked us to work also with thematic ones now let, let's say if you take um electric cars for example Problem number one is that um, electric cars, uh, the big electric car companies are in different currencies, are in Europe as, as well as uh, the US. Second, so we have got to normalize that in some way. The second thing is what's, what's the benchmark? So what we've decided there is if there's a leading benchmark of the theme, we'll use that as our benchmark. So we'll say we are trying to outperform that ETF, which you can buy, which represents you know, uh, ESG, for example, and uh, we, we are here to find this, these constituents that make that up, that are, as long as we can get 100 of them, that are, have got uh, out, relative outperformance and momentum of the outperformance and also in an uptrend, pass of, of three uh, filters through. But we can use, we have to use an ETF as the benchmark because there is no real benchmark to use. Right, yeah, and, and and as we know, there's more and more of these thematic ETFs uh, coming onto the market. So um, yes, you may be spoiled for choice there. Yeah, we. I mean, we have got one released now, which is U.S. growth, and we and we're using uh, an uh, an ETF of growth stocks as our benchmark. So we we are aiming to do better than that. It, obviously, it strikes me as an excellent way. This 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 project you're working on with CMC for uh, investors who are not so familiar or not so comfortable with technical analysis to actually get a lot of the benefit from from the the science of technical analysis. And it, it's something that some people, when they when they first get into active trading or active investing, find quite intimidating because a lot of the trading platforms will present them with a vast range of choices in terms of the graphs um, they can apply. And it, it quite frequently, I think, turns some people off. I just, I wondered from your perspective, as someone who's been working in technical analysis for a very long time, 
for someone who's who's just getting started in trading when they're presented with this long 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 menu of various uh, graphs they can use what would you say are the uh, are the ones for the basic ones that that um uh, a beginner can really get the most uh, utility out of before they go too far down the down the road looking at looking at uh, fibonacci and things like that that's a, that's a good question but and uh, but let me just first of all uh, make it clear that uh, when we talk about rg we're looking at a choice of opportunities so we're not looking at the absolute value of any stock uh, in, the, in the individual security itself we're looking at its performance versus uh, an index so we're looking to get outperformance of that index it's possible that we can get outperformance with the stock itself going down uh, so we're not looking at the chart of the stock. We're looking at the chart of the stock versus everything else uh, in in the index. So this is, that's a different type of technical analysis, but still very simple, conventional. I can tell you, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it's, um, there's nothing magical about it. It's just we put it together in a particular uh, way. Um, but to answer your question about uh, getting into technical analysis for the first time, you're right. It's very confusing. Um, the internet is just too full of help from experts and it's uh, very confusing some it's very difficult to tell the real experts from the pretend ones and also the chart packaging themselves are overwhelmingly comprehensive technical analysis much too much technical analysis i would focus on the following keep the number of indicators that you use to the to as few as possible you want to avoid overcomplicating and duplicating any message Getting two ways of measuring momentum doesn't mean you'll measure it better. Momentum is momentum. And um, the strength of the trend is the strength of the trend. Two different methods only make it more difficult to understand. Learn the indicators, find the one that suits you best. What you want to measure is the strength of the trend using perhaps uh, the ADX, uh, Average Direction Index, to do that. The direction of the trend using some moving average-based uh, technical analysis, for example, the MACD, moving average convergence divergence. So you've got the direction of the trend, let's say up, and the trend is strong, the ADX is ab above a certain reading. Then you need, you know that markets move, if you're an investor, that's the right side you want to be on, things are going up um, strongly. Is, is basically what you want to own. And if you're owning things which are even flat, you're basically tying your money up in things which aren't creating a capital gain. So you might pull the money out of that and put it into something else, which meets that criteria. Very simple criteria. Then uh, the next one is that let's say you're more of a trader. And so inside that trend, you know that it's, uh, we don't move in straight lines. We go uh, zigzagging. Uh, our way up, for example. Um, so the zigs we call impulsive moves because they're in the direction of the trend. The zags we call reactive moves. And we measure that. And a good way of measuring that is the relative strength index, Wells Wilder's relative strength index, which is an oscillator. And this uh, gives you a reading inside the trend itself of, of how excessively you've moved in the direction of the trend or whether there's a potential dip uh, to buy in the trend. And I would use also a way of analyzing the volume, like on balance volume, to add that extra dimension. The volume is, is like the fuel, the power of a market. It will only go up if people buy it. Are they buying it? You can see that data in clearly in the volume. If the market is going up and the people become more reluctant to buy it, it's potentially a toppy area. So that's all you, you, you need to know, really, about a market market. 
in terms of the, that drop down of indicators. I would also put on the, uh, the 50 and the 200 day moving average because, because so many people pay attention to that. And maybe there is some self-fulfillment in that. But to me, by the time the 50 crosses down by, uh, through the 200, I would definitely want to already be short uh, of that. Uh, that's a long time after the top that you get that message. The uh, learn charting. Charting is great. And this is something where, as a private investor, you're at no disadvantage to the institutional trader. They haven't got the time to do it. You're actually at an advantage um, uh, to them in, the, in, this, in this case. And so learn to be a good chartist, trend line drawing accurately, trend line breaks, understanding when a good break versus a false break, uh, chart patterns, head and shoulders, um, tri uh, triangles, double tops and bottoms. Learn these, uh, these things and learn how to uh, put them together. And then ultimately, become as systematic, as rule-based as possible in terms of your risk and reward and your plan for the trade. So the trading itself becomes a process. And so you're not doing any thinking while you're in a position. All the thinking was done before the position itself. And so it's like playing chess or you're trying to think ahead. Um, it's more difficult than chess because there are only two players in a chess game. There's more than two players in the market. But basically, you know, everything that happens, basically, you already thought of your response. That, in a few seconds, is, a, is my uh, distilled course in technical analysis. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's, that is uh, fantastic. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> um, so, it, I mean, just to, to summarise, um, uh, anyone sort of interested in... in uh, having a closer look at what you're doing can can go to the um, go to CMC Markets, find out more about those those baskets um, that they they've already launched and already available to their clients. And also in terms of the uh, you know any any companies or fund managers who uh, have listened to this podcast, they can go to uh, relativerotationgraphs.com, um, which uh, is is your RRG research site and where there, there's more information on what you're up to there. Yes, that's, that's exactly right. So uh, CMC, then search uh, for RRG in the search box, and then you'll come to uh, the funds that we've got on offer, and you'll see the performance there and whether we've managed to achieve what we're trying to achieve. Um, and, uh, uh, well, Go to the S&P one, uh, it's the best one, if you want to start with the best one <laughs> at the moment. The, the, uh, and then relativerotationgraphs.com, um, as uh, Stuart said, sorry about it, it's a bit of a mouthful, but it's relativerotationgraphs.com. And there you will see sample uh, ones, live ones of uh, currencies, cryptocurrencies, a couple of indices, they are samples of them. And you can uh, move about those charts and change the sample period and zoom in and out. So they're simple uh, versions of it, not the Bloomberg version. But there is also uh, quite a lot of research on that, you know, about that we did when we were developing uh, RRG, you know, which is the right period to use for to, to get the maximum persistency of, um, of the message of outperformance and, and so forth. So we've done some papers uh, looking at our, uh, what it shows, uh, moving towards the rule-based quantitative approach, which, which we're using for um, the CMC uh, CFD products, the Momentum Plus products. Fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank you very much indeed, Trevor, for coming on the podcast today. It's been my pleasure, Stuart. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Armchair Trader podcast. 
to get uh, up to date commentary on what's happening in the share markets, both in Europe and North America, and our views on some of the emerging investment stories in the small cap space, make sure you check out www.thearmchairtrader.com and sign up to our free daily newsletter.